Good morning, saints. Good to see you guys. We're doing a study in Hebrews. Um, as long as it takes, I'm just going to let the Spirit lead and try to unpack what's inside this awesome book of Hebrews. If you didn't get a chance to be here last Sunday, um, I just recommend that you take a listen on the website. It's like an intro or a summary of the book of Hebrews. And Yes? Oh, the website is, um, it's on the church's website is linked to it, but it's www.seeinggrace.com. All the, the uh, classes and the, all the teachings in this class are on this website, and it's linked to the church's website, so you can go to the church, and then you can hit on seeinggrace.com. And, but it's, it's kind of a summary of, of what Hebrews, I think, is all about. And by the way, the reason I call this website Seeing Grace, I think I've said this before, but the, the key to spiritual life is really seeing. It's not doing. It's, the whole, it's all about seeing. It's all about a revelation. I know I've, I've said this before about um, real estate. You know, everybody says, you know, the key to real estate is location, location, location. And the key to spiritual life is really awareness, awareness awareness. And you can't, be, you can't be aware of something you don't see. So seeing and becoming aware and living aware of the reality of the unseen is the key to the spiritual life. We lose sight of the unseen. We're no longer aware. Then we become, like Peter says, short-sighted, blind, and the power of God is somewhat short-circuited or quenched in us. But it's all about seeing. So that's why I call it seeing grace. Because it really is the key. In fact, that's what, that's what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus. He said, I'm sending you forth, Paul. And the very first thing he said was, I'm sending you forth, Paul, to open the eyes of the blind. And when Jesus himself came, he said, I have come to open the eyes of the blind. And the very first thing that Satan did in the garden was to open their eyes to themselves, which caused a blindness toward God. So what men called Sight, God called blindness. So everybody from Adam and Eve were born blind. See, it's all about seeing. It's, it's amazing. It's not about doing. It's about seeing. It's about a revelation. And when you see, as Jacob said, you know, I, God is in this place and I knew it not. I was not aware of it. And so the reality of seeing and being aware of the unseen is the key to the spiritual life. If you get on the track of trying to improve your life by doing better and doing more and going places, looking for the presence of God at the next revival meeting or whatever it is, you're on the wrong track. But if you're on the track of getting still, be still, and know that I'm God. If you're you're on the track of calling out to him and saying, as he said, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. If you're on that track, hang on to your hat. Because he will. And he'll open up things unseen. And that's how life comes to us. By revelation of him. And his work is how life comes to us. That's how it's imparted. That's the heavenly dynamic. That's why when Moses began to see. Moses simply looked at the glory of God. He just was standing there. Doing nothing. Just looking at the glory of God. And his face began to shine like God was shining. He was like what, what the heck is that? It's the heavenly dynamic. Of, of, of when you see him as he is. You become as he is, especially the new creation, because that you're already made like him. Now, seeing releases what is. 
You follow that? So you're not seeing to become something you're not in this new covenant. You're actually seeing to release what already is within. Treasure, this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, this life of Christ. That the excellency of the power that is coming out of us is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. Anyway, cool. Um, Anyway, so Hebrews is just an awesome book as we shared last Sunday. I think I really believe that... um, a lot of people say it's a difficult book and all that, but it's really not a difficult book. It's just, it has just some incredible promises, some incredible revelation in it. And if you believe, if you simply believe what is in there, you know, you'll just go nuts in a good way. You'll go like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Um, the writer to the Hebrews says something in there. He says that you should, you should all be teachers. He's writing to the Hebrews and he says, you should all be teachers, but you have need of more of you have need of milk and not strong food not strong meat because you're not able to hear what I want to say really want to say to you and um, you're still like you know doubting God's love for you or you're still doubting whether you're forgiven or you're still doubting you know and so he's talking about these things and he says he says I want to give you strong meat but but you can't handle it yet now notice what the strong meat is most preachers will say strong meat is more sacrifice, more commitment, more surrender, all those things dealing with the will, doing more, committing more, surrender. This is the strong meat of the Christian life. This is, this is the real deal. No. The writer of the Hebrew says the real strong meat is an unseen revelation of Christ and what he has accomplished the high priest. He goes, this is the main point. We have a high priest who has passed into the heavens, who has opened the way into the holy of holies for us. It's an unseen reality. That is meat. It's meat because it is an unseen thing that must be seen. It must be revealed. God's not calling us to work harder or do more or be better. He's calling us to see the meat is the awesome work of Christ. And his finished work. Because when you see, when I see more and more of this awesome work, this high priest who entered into the true tabernacle, who went into the realm of heaven for us, our forerunner, then we can see how we too have been brought into that place. That place has actually been brought into us. You and him, him and you, one, meat. But yet, awesome meat. Not difficult to eat, it's just awesome. Does that make sense? So don't, don't get sidetracked when you hear teachers and preachers say that, oh, this is the real, really good stuff here, this is the st-, and it's all about your willpower and trying to do better. No, that's really, really missing it. Paul says those, those are the ones who are weak in the faith that feel like they have to do this and not do that and, you know, whatever. But the strong in the faith see the unseen, and they're free to see clearly more and more of Christ. This whole letter to the Hebrews is about him and his work. Lord, we just thank you that you're helping us see these things. I pray by the Holy Spirit that we would be encouraged today. It's so true what Jeremy said, that you heal the broken heart. If there's any broken heart here today, Lord, I pray that they would feel your touch. You've opened the heavens to us so that we can be healed of our broken hearts. So we can have eyes at sea. So we can be released from any prison. So we can find our destiny. So we can know the love of God. 
It's an open heaven because you love us. You have made us righteous and you have opened the heavens for us. He who spared not his only son, his only son, will he not with him freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord, for this awesome reality of open heaven. Thank you for heaven within us, for the kingdom of heaven is within us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. We in you, you in us, seated with you in heavenly places. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to things that only the Spirit can teach us. No man can teach these things. Only the Holy Spirit can open our eyes. For this is not of man and not of earth and not of religion and not of this world. You are Jacob's ladder. You have joined us and we are one. Thank you, Lord. For he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. For you have become living stones of the true temple, habitation of God by the Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. When we read last Sunday the first few verses of Hebrews, I got my Bible with the pages into this one. Um, I want to take a look at that again if we could and then share a few thoughts and we'll see where it goes here. Hebrews chapter 1. Well, first, before, you, before we do that, go back, if you would, to that, that scripture, which I think speaks of the heart of the letter of the Hebrews. This is the, to me, this is the big message of Hebrews. And it's in chapter 9, chapter 9 in verse 8. Yep, you got it, verse 8. I'm going to back up a little bit to kind of give some context, but it's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. We can start there. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, this is Hebrews 9, verse 6. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. Now, what he's talking about, just real quickly, is, you know, the tabernacle, he's got the outer court. Then you've got the, the temple inside. This is the outer court. Then you have this, you have a, a veil here, which goes into the holy place. Then you have the big veil here, which is the veil, by the way, that rent when Jesus died on the cross, which goes into the holy of holies. This area, the high priest goes only once a year on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. But the priests go into the holy place every day and do the work of the tabernacle here. So this, that's what he's saying here, if you can see that. So let's look at it. It says, but... Now, when, the, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in, in ignorance. It's interesting that the Day of Atonement covered every, didn't take it away, but covered all sins, even those you didn't know you committed. 
So just as a little footnote, it's almost like they had it better than a lot of Christians think they have it because a lot of Christians are told that they have to confess every sin and make sure you have every sin named so you can get it. Even under the old covenant, they had everything covered, even the ones committed in ignorance. Of course, we know that's not true. The other... Okay. And this is it, verse 8. The Holy Spirit indicating this. Now, why why does he say the Holy Spirit? Because the Scripture says that God told Moses by the Spirit to make everything according to the pattern he saw in the heavens. So everything you see built on earth was made according to the pattern of what is the reality and the unseen as symbols of truth. So the Holy Spirit had Moses build it in such a way to show us on earth that the way into the Holy of Holies or into the very immediate presence of God, and that's what this is, the immediate presence of God, the presence of God would actually be above the Ark of the Covenant when the wings of the cherubim over the mercy seat between the two wings of the cherubim would be a manifest glory of God. They call it the Shekinah glory. That's why it was, uh, it was like a, almost a fearful thing. You didn't just walk behind the veil and say, hi, God, in those days. Because it was like, this was God. The Holy of Holies was a cubicle, a perfect cube. Basically, it was a portal to heaven. It was the door of heaven. It was the actual realm of heaven on earth. It's where God lived on earth. A perfect cube behind this thick veil that only one man a year could go behind with blood or he would be killed. It had to be perfect. It was a picture of this awesome, the awesomeness of God on earth. And the purpose of the Old Covenant was this. It's, the Scripture says the purpose of the Old Covenant was that so that God could dwell among his people. God wanted to be with us. God wanted to be with us. So even though he gave laws about behavior, he knew we could not keep those laws, or the Israelis could not keep those laws. So he instituted three things, a priesthood, sacrifices, and a temple, so that those sins could be covered on a systematic basis so that we could learn from that what Jesus would eventually do as we look back at it. But the heart of God is this. He wanted to be with us. So what happens in this new covenant is that his desire has been fulfilled. He has come within us. He has actually moved from this cubicle to you, to your spirit. He has actually joined himself to us so that he could be with us. 24-7, 24-7, which is why this veil was rent when Jesus died. It was rent open, opened so that it showed that the way was now open. Okay, now, this verse right here, I think, is so key. We just read it, verse 8. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the, ho- the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. The way into the holiest of all is referring to this one. The, the way in the back, the Holy of Holies. This is the, where God is. As long as the tabernacle is standing, the Holy Spirit is indicating with this veil here that the way there is not yet made manifest. Now, what is that saying to me? Well, it's saying that as long as, as sins were just covered on a daily basis, man could not enter into union with God. So what Jesus did, as Hebrews talks about, we'll read more verses later, 
Jesus actually became the one and final sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. That's a direct quote from Hebrews. For all sin, for all people, for all time. So when the, in the taking away of sin, and not just the covering of it, the tabernacle no longer stands. The tabernacle no longer stands. So if the Holy Spirit says, if the tabernacle is standing, this indicates the way into the Holy of Holies is not yet made manifest, then what happens what is the Holy Spirit saying when the tabernacle falls? Look at chapter 10, Hebrews 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19. And even verse 18 before that. Now, there is, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. The true veil is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience by his blood and our bodies washed with pure water by the power of the Holy Spirit and new creation. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Isn't that awesome? So what the writer is actually saying is that the way into the Holy of Holies is now manifest. We can go, because of what Jesus did, into the immediate presence of God. And what really happened is that the immediate presence of God came inside of us. So that we are in Him and He is in us. This is the power of Hebrews to open our eyes to this, this meat, this reality. Let me share this with you real quick. Let's, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1 again. Hebrews chapter 1. This is the few verses we read last Sunday. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, or by Son, by the Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice the very first two verses. God spoke to us in times past by the prophets in many ways, but now he has spoken to us in his son. Take a look at First Peter for me. Just turn, turn to First Peter. I love this in 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Let's say verse, let's go to verse, um, let's say verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him with your natural eyes, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Notice, remember in Hebrews it says, God spoke to us through the prophets in many ways and so forth, but now he has spoken to us in his son. Look at this, it's so cool. 
the, pro- the prophets prophesied of the, of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them, the Holy Spirit, was indicating, indicating when he testified beforehand through these prophets of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. The glory that would follow his sufferings. This grace that was coming to us. Verse 12. To them, the prophets, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Isn't that awesome? So the prophets of old, they had, they had the law. The law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. Jesus said, the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist, but now the kingdom of heaven is proclaimed. Another reality is proclaimed in the Christ. But the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. They had a covenant of law, of rules and commandments to keep, but a system where sin could be covered and a priest, priesthood, sacrifices, and a temple. So God could dwell in their midst because he could not dwell in their midst because of sin, but he could cover the sin if, he, if they followed these rules under the covenant. So the, the, uh, so the prophets had their, their ministry to their people under that covenant, and they would say certain things. They would say certain things about the law, about repentance, about judgment, and so forth. But they also started talking something new. They started saying something different. They, they would say things like, the Lord is telling me, behold, I do a new thing. Consider not the things of old. Behold, a new thing is coming. Jeremiah would say, the day is coming when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not like the covenant I made with them when I brought them out of Egypt. Not like that one. Different. Very different. Isaiah said, the Lord is doing a strange work. Isaiah 28, uh, or 26, 28. A, a strange work. His work is alien. It's strange. It's not of earth. A new thing is coming. All the prophets began to see that what they had under the law, this covering of sin, this God behind a thick veil was passing away. And something awesome was coming. Something that Abraham saw. Because Abraham didn't have the law. He was never under the law. The fathers didn't have the law. The law didn't come till Moses came. So the fathers were strangers to the law of Moses. Because they had a different relationship with God. They had what we have now, but better. We have it better than they had. But they had the seed of it. Abraham, the righteousness which is by faith. And all those things that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their lives speak of. Jacob and Esau, old man, new man. All those things are hidden in there so we can go back and read the, the Father's life and see things that pertain to our life now in Christ. So the prophets would speak about this, you know, speak to the people about this law and all. But every, but every now and then they would turn to the future. Like even David, he said, David in Psalm 51 said, you know, God, you don't desire sacrifices of bulls and goats. You know, God, just take away my sin. Creating me a new heart. Creating me a new heart. You know, um, you, you, you're not re- you don't like this. I feel in my spirit, you don't like this. This is, this is just, and God was putting that in David because he was prophesying of what was coming in Christ. So when the prophets began to speak about what was coming, they're saying here, it was revealed to the prophets. This is not for you, but this is for the next generation. So they would say things that were wild, wildly full of grace. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Tell them their warfare has ceased. Tell them they have received double for all their iniquities and all their sins. Tell them this. Tell them this. What? How can that be? I mean, we're evil people. I mean, we've got problems. We need, we need a high priest every day. You know? No, but the prophet said, something awesome is coming. 
the, the glory that will follow the sufferings of this one, the grace that is coming to them. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So they would proclaim it. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. Something is coming. A comforter is coming. Something awesome is coming. The root of Jesse is coming. Something is coming. A branch. Something is coming. See? And they were like, we knew that this was not for us, but man, I wish we could be where they are because they're going to have something so amazing. And that's what Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews is talking about an amazing, amazing revelation that has come to us. And he, the writer of the Hebrews says to the, to the uh, Hebrews, he says, you're dull of hearing. He goes, and I believe so much of the church out there, I don't believe we are here, I really don't, don't believe that at all, but I believe in the church, we're dull of hearing. We, we can't even hear this. We can't even hear this, what, the awesome stuff in Hebrews. Because we still see ourselves in sin. We still see ourselves unrighteous. We still see ourselves apart from God. We still see ourselves as just sinners saved by grace. We still see ourselves as, as someone who really lives their life, practically speaking, as if they're still under law in their, in their thinking. So how can we see this? How can we begin to see? Uh, how can we break from this dull of hearing and this, this need for more milk so we can eat the strong meat or the good the good, strong food of the finished work of this high priest who has opened the heavens to us. See? That's what this book is about. This book is about feeding us with the unseen reality of a finished work which our king has accomplished. He sat down after purging our sins by himself. I love that. The Lord looked onto the earth and found no one to could, who could save us. The, the, he found no one. So his, the scripture says his own right hand saved us. Christ is his right hand. So he purged our sin by himself, Hebrews says. With his own work. He purged all our sin by himself and sat down. He never would have sat down if it had not been finished. Think about that, saints. He would never have sat down if it had not been done. He sat down. And where did he sit? He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the other realm. This is a thousand stars. This is mountains and rivers. This is another realm. This is the majesty on high with a rainbow over the throne. He sat down on the right hand with all authority of the majesty on high, having done and accomplished all things. That's what's inside of you. Jacob's ladder is in you. You have been joined to heaven. Heaven has been joined to you. Your will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. See, right now, the Spirit is seeking to open our eyes. Paul said, great scales fell off my eyes. And he saw... You know, it's like, it's like Dorothy, Wizard of Oz. You know, you have the ruby red slippers. You've always had them. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You've always had it within you from the moment you believed. He's always been there. God is in this place and I knew it not. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. Living stones. Habitation of God by the Spirit. Spiritual reality. He has done it. He sat down. He would not have sat down had he not done it. Having purged us of all our sin. That's why he says we have great boldness now to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. 
boldness, not timidly. Before it was scary because the sacrifice had not yet been offered. And it's not that God was, was, was mean or mad or any of those things. God was, you know, God's, a, God's amazing. He's, he's God. And if he can't come in contact with, with man and sin. If man, if man is in their sin, God coming in contact with man in his sin. Guess who wins? Man is dissolved. Man explodes. Man burns up. Man is obliterated. That's why when he came down on the mountain, look at the kindness of God. He came down on the mountain to give the law to Sinai. I mean, this is God coming into our realm. They saw from the base of the mountain this awesome opening of the portal of of heaven, the fire, the coming down of God himself on Mount Sinai. And he told Moses, he goes, tell them them to uh, move the animals away from the mountain. They'll die. Isn't that awesome? He, has, he cares for animals. You know, he says, tell them to, the book of Jonah, the last, the last few sentences in the book of Jonah is where God is trying to tell Jonah, Jonah, why do you want me to destroy Nineveh? Why are you so angry that, it, that, I, that I had mercy on, on Nineveh? There, there are 200,000 people there that don't know their right hand from their left, a reference to children. There's 200,000 children in that city, that, that big city, a great city. And also many animals, Jonah. Last word in the book of Jonah is animals. That's God. And there's many animals, Jonah. And God comes down on Mount Sinai and he goes, tell the people to move the, go- the donkeys back. They won't be able to survive my presence. They can't touch the mountain. Move them back. I love it. That's the same God that says, I'm coming into you now. I'm com- coming to me boldly. Come to me boldly because I've removed every barrier. Isn't that awesome? That's our God. He says, come to me. That's the value the Father places on the death of his Son. When Jesus said, it is finished, and the veil was rent in two, God was saying, come, run into my lap. It's done. He purged us of all our sin and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There's no voice, there's no authority, there's no word higher than the Lamb who sits on the throne. And so now... The Spirit of God is given to open all these things to us. The Spirit of God is given to show us the things that belong to Him and now to you, Jesus said, because you are in Him. The Spirit will come and show you all that belongs to me, Jesus said, for He is heir of all things. And He says, the Spirit will show you all things that belong to me and now to you because you're in me. And that's what this journey is all about. An unfolding revelation of scales, more scales falling off our eyes. For now we see in part, we prophesy in part, but we are seeing more and more as our mind is being renewed. The renewal of the mind is the key to growing in faith. Faith comes by hearing, seeing, see. So as the mind is renewed, our faith will automatically be strengthened without having to strive with faith. It's, about, it's all about seeing, hearing, the mind is being renewed. We see these things. That's why walking after the flesh is not a good thing because when you walk after the flesh, it hinders the renewal of the mind. It hinders, the, the scripture says if we sow to the spirit, we reap life. But if we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption, not judgment from God because there's no judgment for the believer. 
No judgment, but corruption is a corrupting element to living after, or walking after the flesh. Is a corrupting element. Our minds are not being renewed and strengthened. So our capacity to receive from Him is limited. You see, it's not a batter. God is, God is, God's favor is upon you 24-7, regardless of your performance, regardless of how good you're doing. His favor is upon you 24-7, always, 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 always. And he's got these gifts, and he wants to give you this, and he wants to give you this, and he wants to give you this. But you can only receive from the unseen according to the capacity of the, the renewal of your mind. See, if your mind is not renewed to the unseen reality and who God is and who you are, you can't receive. He's, he's standing here with these gifts. And the moment you and I are able to grow and mature and we're able to see, understand more, he's like, finally. <laughs> and the whole time he's had a package waiting for you to open, you know. And so, but if, but if, but if we walk after the flesh, then what happens is we, we don't mature spiritually. We, we, we stay on milk. And we don't really see the glory of what God has done for us. We don't see who we really are. Um, and we, we have this hindrance to being able to receive awesome things from him. Because the mind is not renewed. So we walk in the spirit, the mind is renewed. Walk in the flesh, and it stops. But the moment you get in the spirit, walk in the spirit, that's how it works. That's why you can be a believer for 30 years, but if you, if you live in the flesh for 30 years, you'll be like an infant in Christ and not really able to receive. The capacity is not there because the mind is not renewed. And what happens, he's so cool about this, what happens is that as he gives us these gifts, we can't wait to open the next one. So it, it's just a strong drawing of God to want our mind to be renewed because you have a new heart. Your desire is to be who you are in Christ. Does that make sense? Awesome. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's like, but there's no, in, in all of this, there's no condemnation whatsoever. I mean, he will, he will, if you want to choose to live your life after the flesh, Paul says we have this awesome liberty now. Don't use it as an occasion to the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. That's, that's a mature person who through love, serves other people. Immature people, like, like children, are always saying, serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me. I need this, I need this. I need, ah, babies cry. I need, I need you know, diaper chains. I need food. Ah, nah. babies, babies are immature. They, they draw to themselves. I need this, I need this. You need, they suck other people's life out of them. You know, Immature Christians suck life out of other Christians because they, they're so needy. That's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign that their minds are not being renewed to the unseen reality. The mature is a person who is like strong in, in, the, in the unseen where he wants to give, she wants to give, she wants to give by love, serving one another. And, and it's a joy to do it. Isn't that cool? So as we grow and mature, we become amazing servants to each other, encouraging each other, loving each other, not condemning each other, being a good friend to each other. I tell you what, I believe with God and a good friend, you can do anything. Actually, you can do anything with God, but... God wants us to have a good friend. And we can be a good friend to each one of us. Each one of us. I don't know how I get off into that. But, oh yeah, we were talking about renewal of the mind and the spirit. Anyways, let's wrap it up. But I just want to, I wanted to make the point, I guess, today that these prophets were excited for you and me. They were excited for us of what was coming. 
They saw the sufferings of Messiah and the, and the glories that would follow his sufferings, his death, the grace that was coming to us. And they, they inquired of what time and what person, who would this be and when would it happen? This is amazing. This is, like, this is not like business as usual. God wasn't kidding when he said, Behold, I do a new thing, consider not the things of old. He wasn't kidding when he said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and it will not be like the one I made on Sinai. Not. Not. For my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and ways different. And that's what we have now in Christ. Open heaven. Union with God. A father that says, come boldly to my throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need by the blood of Christ. The cubicle, the portal to heaven has been moved within you. Know you not, you are the temple of the holy presence. Awesome. Lord, thank you so much. Help us see more and more of this reality by the Spirit and help us encourage each other, speaking the truth to one another in love, reminding each other of this truth, we shall be built up into maturity and to the measure of the fullness of the statute of the Son of God. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that all these packages and all these gifts you are so ready to give us, that we would be bold enough to open them and not be afraid. Thank you for renewing our minds, Lord, to the unseen reality. For Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. The secret to endurance is seeing the unseen. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.